Father, we thank you for your presence right here this morning. And Lord, we thank you that where your presence is, is power. Power to heal, power to restore, power to forgive. And so, God, we just ask that uh, this morning you would just ignite a spark in our hearts that would cause us to even seek you more fervently than what we are at the moment. Lord, just have your way in and through our lives, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So in 1987, at a black power funeral, I heard the audible voice of God saying, how many more young men will die before you'll preach my word? And up until that time, I'd never considered becoming a pastor. But from the instant that God spoke that word into my life, my world changed. Uh, I left my job with New Zealand Dairy to become an assistant pastor at uh, Hamilton AOG. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the power of a God-given dream, which is so essential for each and every one of us to, to have. So Jeremiah 29, 11, well-known verse, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Why don't you turn to the person next year and say, God's got great things for your life. Whatever stage your life is at, whether you're young or old or in between, uh, our Bible tells us that God has more for us than we can ever imagine. In fact, he says he's able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even uh, imagine, and much more than what we are currently experiencing. So no matter how good or how bad your life is at the moment, when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, he gives us more and sets our eternal future up for us to be blessed and to be a blessing. And God reveals his plans to us by his spirit. Uh, I've been here in this church not because of the ideas of man, but by divine appointment. And most of you are the same. Uh, now the spirit of God uh, speaks to his people primarily through his still small voice and through his word. But the prophet Joel tells us that in these days, he also speaks to us through prophecy, dreams, and visions. Joel 2.28 says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. God needs his people and his church to go to another level in him. He needs us to live above and beyond our own abilities. So he downloads his plans to us through prophecy, through visions, and through dreams. Uh, when God took Abraham up into a mountain and told him that he was going to give him every place that his foot would set uh, to the north and the south and the east and the west, God was setting up a vision, a dream in Abraham's heart. He was sowing seeds in Abraham's heart that would grow as they were watered by the Spirit. 
I've found in life that the pathways to a God-given dream are pathways that God will bless. And his dreams for you are the future that you can work, walk into. Probably one of the greatest Christians of the 20th century would be Billy Graham, one of the most influential Christians at least. Uh, he spoke in person to over 250 million people and uh, over 1 billion people heard Billy Graham preach via TV and radio. You know, to the vision, the dream, the idea to reach the world through evangelistic meetings was set in Billy Graham's heart when he was at college, when he and a group of um, friends got together to pray. God just spoke to them. That's where it all started. But not everyone's called to be a preacher. In 1947, the principal of a Roman Catholic high school in Calcutta was moved by the presence of the sick and the dying on the city streets. Anyone who's ever been to Calcutta will know what it's like. You just can't describe the smells. You just can't describe um, the filth. You can't describe the number of dead and dying people that you will see just out in the streets. In 1948, she left her post at the Covenant uh, and began a ministry among the sick. Her vision was to enable people who were dying in the streets to die with someone caring for them. She wanted to make a difference with just one person at a time. And in 1952, Mother Teresa opened the Pure Heart Home for Dying Destitutes in Calcutta. I've been there. I've seen that place. It's unremarkable. Just like any other open door. But it was a door to life, and it was a door to healing, and it was a door to hope. Subsequently, Mother Teresa extended her work to five continents, and in recognition of her efforts, she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1979. One of the things I've found is that all heroes of the faith have uh, a number of things in common. They all have a dream. They all have vision. They have a passion for Jesus Christ and his plans. They all see that with God, they could make a difference. You see, we haven't been created by God just to survive or just to be a success, but we've been created by God to live lives of significance, impacting and making a difference in our community and in our world. Uh, King Solomon wrote, where there is no progressive or ongoing vision or revelation, the people perish or cast off restraint. In other words, if you haven't got God-given direction in your life, then anything will do, and you will live aimlessly, probably missing out on God's best. As we read, the prophet Joel prophesied, and the apostle Peter in Acts 2 confirmed it, that in the last days there would arise men and women who would be dreamers and visionaries. Men and women to whom God could reveal his plans and his purposes to. Men and women possessed with such a sense of destiny and purpose that neither people or circumstances would be able to destroy or prevent them from reaching their goal and fulfilling the dream that God has given them. We are living in those last days. We are the generation that Joel and Peter were speaking of. We are the ones who are supposed to be 
people of focus and vision. We're the ones who are supposed to be dreamers of God-given dreams because dreams and visions and faith are the foundations on which the future is built. And lack of a dream or lack of vision or faith results in little hope and a small future. Anytime God wants to change a community or a nation or a church, he starts by placing a dream in someone's heart. So the question this morning that I have for us is how do we receive God-given dreams? Uh, Dreams and visions are birthed by God, not by us. So the first step in receiving God's plans and purposes for your life is to be 100% committed and submitted to following Jesus the shepherd. See, God's plans for our life evolve out of our relationship with him. As a kid living in Auckland, we used to come up to Takatu Point to a little bay called Waikari Bay where my uncle had a sheep farm. And it was the first contact we'd had with any form of farming. And it was fascinating to see the shepherds at work, uh, especially in the yard when they were docking or when they were um, dosing the sheep. They would just shift the gates one way or another to send one lot of sheep one way, one lot of sheep another way. And The Bible tells us that the Lord is our shepherd. And in our lives, it's obvious that God shifts the gates. He shifts the doors. He opens and closes things to direct us one way or another. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will do this. It doesn't mean that if you delight yourself in the Lord, um, anything that your heart wants, he'll give us. What that verse means is that if you delight yourself in the Lord, the very things that you yearn after will be things that God has placed in your heart to to yearn after. He gives us the desires of our heart. He places his desires in our heart. So the things that we want are the things that he wants and it's planned for us. But it starts with delighting ourselves in the Lord. Similarly, Proverbs 21 verse 1, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. You know, you can be walking in this direction and God, if your heart is in God's hand, he can just turn it. You can be walking into a different future, a different situation, a different circumstance. And as I look back on my life, I can see so many instances of God opening and closing doors for me. At the time, I didn't realize their significance, and I had no idea that they were part of God's master plan for my life. If you want your eyes open to divine possibilities, determine to put him first. I remember a young guy who hadn't been very long in our church coming along and getting involved in a production, finding Nemo. He ended up in a fish tank. I can still see it. And looking across the fish tank, 
there was his future wife, A. Murray. <laughs> the, big, the biggest fish he's ever caught. <laughs> the best one, too. But the reality is, I don't know whether Murray was praying for a wife at that time, but he was certainly had a heart after God. And when you've got a heart after God, and when you put him first, God orders things in your life. And often you won't have a clue why this particular door or why this situation has been opened to you. But if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, it says the very steps of a good person are ordered by him. See, God has created and called us to be his messengers right where we are. He wants to empower us and to give us influence in our workplace, in our neighborhood. And we just have to be available and believe God can use us and look for opportunities to bring Jesus Love, acceptance, and forgiveness to people. The second thing that I see, if you're going to come into the plans and the purposes of God, is you need to get into God's Word. Visions, dreams, divine revelation come from the heart of God, but often we so spiritualize them, we so get intimidated and caught up with people's big achievements that we forget that God has already shared his heart, his dreams, his general plans for us in his word. I remember a pastor friend telling me how one Sunday morning a person came up to him on an article and the person said, I believe you have a word from God for me. And the pastor says, yes, I have. And he went to the front seat, got a Bible and said, here it is. God's word for you. Read it. Seek it. Listen to it. God's word tells us that God not only wants to bless us, but he wants to make us a blessing to others. Isn't that true? Yeah. God's word tells us that he wants us to know him and make him known. God's word tells us that we are to be God's light. We are to be his hands of blessing. We need to reflect God's heart to a hurting world. It tells us that nothing is impossible to him, and together we can see miracles. We don't need a special word from God to know that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are to be God's witnesses. When we read God's word, we find that God wants us to love him, with everything we have, and show that love to our neighbors and our friends. God has already told us that. So when we read God's word, not only do we get to know God and his heart for us and his world and this world, but as we read his word, there is an impartation of his heart and his dreams to us. It's not rocket science. We just have to read and receive and obey God's word. The third thing that I see, if we're going to come into everything that God's got for us, is that we've got to pray and obey. Years ago, I had the privilege of going to Takapuna Assembly of God Church uh, for a series of meetings that were being led by Pastor Yongi Cho. Uh, When Yongi Cho was asked, how he built the largest church in the world, a church that grew to one million in size in Seoul, Korea, Yongi Cho said, I simply pray and obey. 
That's pretty simple, isn't it? <laughs> I pray and obey. Prayer helps clarify and reveal the specific steps of the general plan that we read about in his word. Because God wants us to know not just the general directions, but the next steps. Sometimes God hides stuff. Okay? Most often he gives us the general picture about where we're heading. But often the steps in between um, are hidden. In Genesis, we read about Joseph, who was called the dreamer. He didn't have a clue about the steps that were needed for the fulfillment of his dreams. But, just as well, the future of two nations was at stake. I mean, he got the initial dream that his family were going to bow down before him. But he had no idea that they were going to betray him, that they were going to try and kill him, that they were going to sell him to traders. He had no idea that faithfully serving in Potiphar's house, uh, Potiphar's wife was going to accuse him of rape and that he'd be thrown into prison. He had no idea that being faithful to God in prison, prisoners would share their dreams with him. He had no idea that even though they promised to remember him, those prisoners forgot about him when the dreams that he interpreted came true. And he certainly had no idea that in one day he would be taken from the prison to the palace to become the 2IC of the greatest world power in that region at that time. God had given him the initial part of the dream, which was the end, but he hadn't filled in the bits and pieces in between. We need to stay close to the shepherd if we're going to see the steps and the plans and the purposes of God come to pass. And it's great that God says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way, even if he falls. Because I guarantee that most of us will blow it from one time or another. But if we've got a heart after God, he says, even if that person falls, he won't be utterly cast down because the Lord upholds him with his hand. And that certainly is our testimony. God's plans and purpose for our lives are revealed to us as part of our relationship with him. Dreams and visions are birthed in the heavenlies by God. They flow out of a relationship with Jesus and they are inspired by the Holy Spirit and received in our hearts, most often through prayer. They come from the Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit. So if your heart is towards God, if God is number one in your life, then dreams and direction for your life will flow out of that relationship with them. I read that verse before, Jeremiah 29, 11, which is one of those verses that I've got written on the fleshy tables of my heart. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to 
give you hope and a future. And then, and then, it goes on and says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found of you, declares the Lord. If you're too busy to pray and to dream, you limit your destiny. It's interesting that when God gave Joseph a dream, it grew into a harvest dream. It was about authority at the time of harvest. And that's significant because we are living at a time of the end time harvest. And if you want your eyes open to divine possibilities, put Jesus first, read his word, pray and obey, and ask him to share his heart with you. And spend time dreaming about what God can do in you and through you concerning his harvest. Because he wants to raise up men and women who are dreaming about the harvest in their school, the harvest in their community, the harvest at their work, the harvest in their family, the harvest in their city. And they are believing that their nation can be transformed and they begin to do something about it. This week, I read again what I wrote down 22 years ago uh, during a time where I was seeking God for a revelation, a dream for this church. And 22 years ago, this is what I wrote. My dream is that people will come to know Jesus and make him known. I dream of dysfunctional people becoming functional. I dream of hurting people becoming healing people. I dream of people who have known only rejection coming here and feeling for the first time acceptance and then learning to accept others. I dream of people who have known only hate coming in and finding love. I dream of people with deep-seated hurts learning to forgive. I dream of people who are bound by sin being set free. People who are living in darkness finding the light. I dream of this auditorium being too small for the ones who will find Jesus Christ as as the key to their future. Not so that we can boast in numbers, but because every person who comes through these doors is the person that Jesus Christ died for. Every person that we see in this church is a person with incredible potential waiting to be released and fulfilled. Every person here is a person that God wants to dream his dreams through so that we together can reach the city and touch our world. The more time I spend with God, the more he fills my heart and my mind with his dreams and people, God's dreams for our church are coming to pass. That hasn't changed. Right from the beginning of our vision um, has been to know Jesus and to make him known, to reach our city, to touch our world by loving God, by loving people, and by loving life. This dream doesn't finish with me. So watch this space. We all need to be praying about our part in the future of this campus and the harvest. You know, New Zealand is in a moral famine. We are in a season of moral decline. 
crime is increasing, drug use is increasing, alcoholism is increasing, promiscuity is increasing, prostitution and brothels are now legal in our country, abortion is legal, the enemy is trying to confuse young people about their sexuality and he's trying to tell them that life is not worth living. But God's standards of righteousness are still the same. We don't need to fear the famine. We don't need to fear what's happening in our nation because God's given us a harvest dream. And he's shown us how to live and to be fruitful even in the midst of famine. God is raising up a new generation, a Joseph generation who will dream God's dreams a generation of people who God will use to turn the tide of famine in our land. This is a great church. But imagine what God could do in us and through us if we were even more vital and fervent in prayer, even more devout and intimate in worship. Imagine what God could do through us if we were even more informed in Scripture, more faithful in discipleship, more aggressive in evangelism, closer in fellowship, zealous in missions, passionate towards the poor. Imagine what could happen in our city and in our nation. That can only happen as each of us become that for ourselves. You need to dream again and partner with God to see the fulfillment of those dreams. So I challenge you this morning, people, to commit yourself wholeheartedly to following Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Put him first in your life. Read and fervently study his word. Pray and obey and begin to dream again. Amen? Let's have, the, let's have the musicians. There are two groups of people that um, I want to pray for and pray with this morning. There are those that have lost their way a little bit. Their dream, which they once had, has died. And God, through his word, has been challenging you to dream again. The second group are those that have a family member. And you know that they aren't walking in the plans and the purposes that God has for their lives but this morning I'm asking you to stand with us and stand in the gap on behalf of those members I've told you many times before how in 2000 when my son was in Sydney how he got hypothermia and just had a complete mental collapse, how he was put in 
the most secure ward of Westmead Hospital and was given shock treatment to try and break him out of that situation and circumstance. When I went over to Sydney, first time I saw him after his shock treatment, he was just an empty shell, people. It was like the lights were on, but nobody was home. And that was just crushing for me as his dad, especially when I went into ministry. I said, I'm saying yes to you, God, but I want you to look after my kids. Penny was back here praying with an intercessor. I was praying all the time while we were over there. I remember him going into hospital on the Sunday night. On the Thursday, after, I think it was two or three sessions of shock treatment, Pete had to come up before a magistrate because in the Australian system, if you were going to continue to receive that sort of treatment in a hospital, you had to be a committed patient. I remember leaving Peter to have his lunch on Thursday, going back to the motel room, and I can still see myself as I threw myself on my bed and I just cried out to God. I cried out to God. I cried out to God for a breakthrough for my son. I went back after lunch and we went together to front the magistrate and I noticed that something was different. I noticed that he was in his right mind. I noticed there was a peace in him that there hadn't been before. We came up to the magistrate and the magistrate asked him a whole pile of questions and the magistrate could see that there was a difference in this young man and she was confused and so she got her legal representatives together and she said, when she came back, she said, I can see there's been a change in this young man. If I commit him to this institution, that committal will be on his work records forever. She said, so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to defer this hearing for another two weeks to give the hospital a chance to continue their treatment and for this young man to improve. That was the Thursday. On the Saturday, he was discharged and we flew back to New Zealand. God had worked a miracle. So, it's half past nine in Sydney. This morning, Pete's just playing keys at his local church. Same as he's done most weekends since then. Just happens to be Hillsong Church. He's played on every album for the last 12 years. <clears throat> the enemy wanted to crush his dream. 
but I was able with my wife to stand in the gap on behalf of my son.